They have never run anything or managed anything at scale. The hypocrisy, firstly, and then the lack of connectivity to the issue drives me bonkers. When you have billions of users, 3.5 billion users, trillions of interactions, and yet Mark Zuckerberg is responsible for a live shooting or is responsible for the grooming of someone in a private chat room is just like if you have one in a million things go wrong, that's a lot of things going wrong every day. Just holding space for that reality. I'm not saying it excuses anything. I'm saying holding space for that truth seems to just go out the window. Like you should have figured that out by now, right? The problem lives in the gray areas where truth is unknowable and there's no space held for that. And that drives me crazy. You're listening to The Startup Podcast. This is a Reacts episode. Industry insiders having frank debates about the latest tech, politics, and business news. Whether you're a founder, investor, or operator in a startup, you'll gain insights into how current events connect to broader themes and trends that impact your startup, your investments, and your day-to-day operational decisions. The conversation starts now. Hey, I'm Chris Saad. I'm Emil Michael. And I'm Yanev Bernstein. Welcome to today's episode of Startup Podcast Reacts. On today's episode, we're just going to discuss one topic, and it's going to be super passionate, super heated debate. We're going to discuss Mark Zuckerberg and other tech CEOs being hauled into Congress to talk about child safety and moderation on their platforms. What does it mean? Is Congress right to really drill down on these CEOs? And what else could Congress be doing to really move the needle on protecting our kids, but also protecting democracy and free speech? This episode of the Startup Podcast is brought to you by Vanta. You might know that sinking feeling. You're about to land a big contract when they ask about compliance. SOC 2, ISO, PCI, Essential 8. You've just snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Not anymore. Vanta massively accelerates your compliance efforts and allows you to get those life-changing deals back on track. Don't wait until it's panic stations, though. Get started with Vanta today. They're offering 20% off their prices just for TSP listeners. Do yourself a favor. Hit pause. Go to vanta.com slash TSP. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com to get that 20% off. All right, guys, let's jump straight into this. Over the last week, we had Mark Zuckerberg, we had the CEO of Twitter, we had the CEO of US TikTok, and all these guys brought in in front of Congress to talk about child protection. And it was super interesting, super compelling watching. At one point, Mark Zuckerberg stood up and addressed the gathered audience directly, which was exciting and different. We'll talk about that a little bit more. And yeah, and I just have a lot, a lot, a lot want to talk about this. And I think it's going to be a super heated debate. I think the audience might be like, what the hell is going on? But let's dive right into it and see where we get to and figure out and tease out some of the nuances here. Because I think there's a lot of nuance to tease out that isn't being discussed in mainstream media and in mainstream circles. First of all, just to clear things up, I don't think Zuckerberg actually apologized. If you have a look at what he said, like narrative is he apologized, but he phrased this very carefully. This is what he said. He said, I'm sorry for everything you've all gone through. It's terrible. No one should have to go through the things that your families have suffered. That is not an apology, guys. So let's actually draw something teachable from that. We were talking a couple of weeks ago about how terribly the CEO of Carter had flubbed his PR moment and it's cost them a whole valuable branch of their business. You know, it's been fun to make fun of Zuckerberg for like the last 20 years as, you know, being a sort of robot freak, autist, whatever. But what this says to me is he was very well prepped and he did something that people seem to have taken as him showing his human side and apologizing, whereas in fact he has done no such thing. 
Yeah, it was a non-apology apology, right? But I'm not so much speaking about the content of the apology as much as the standing up, turning around and addressing the families of victims of social media pressure and child exploitation and just the idea of him addressing them directly obviously what he said was a non-apology apology but it wasn't even a non-apology apology it's like when you go to a funeral and you say i'm sorry for your loss that is not an apology that is expressing sympathy chris you have a bigger issue in mind yeah look first i want to provide some context okay and i want to do a little bit of a rant on this actually guys so hopefully oh, okay. you'll you'll grant me that okay chris is winding up coming in winding up. up firstly you know let's just acknowledge that children being taken advantage of on social networks and in life is just horrific and horrible. No one here would be diminishing or undermining that point. Let's talk about my history with Facebook. I've been one of the most outspoken critics of Facebook as part of the data portability project. I was directly adversarial to Mark Zuckerberg. I was calling him out at the beginning of their early rise saying, hey, they're like a casino. They take your data, they lock you in, and they should be playing a game of much more open, portable data. I'm not a Facebook or Mark Zuckerberg apologist by any means. And then the third bit of context I want to provide is like, you know, you, Emil, you and I specifically participated in, or at least were around our own media narratives around big tech is evil, tech bros this and culture that at Uber. And these are all the background for what I really want to say. And I just think that that's the media, including the media that were at one point enthusiastic about Silicon Valley. And I'm thinking of TechCrunch, for example, who were there to talk about the wins of Silicon Valley, the wins of startups and tech have all kind of settled into this tech skepticism, cynicism, clickbaity, hating modality that I don't think is fair, constructive, or representative of what's going on. So, and I want to use this Facebook thing as a case study, right? And I want to use this question of moderation of child exploitation, which is a very sensitive hot topic. So it's probably a bad case for this, but just general moderation as an example of how I just think these things are being oversimplified and cast in a negative light. So there's just like probably 10 reasons why this narrative is not as simple as it appears on the surface. Congress raking tech CEOs over the coals is just really rich. Congress can't pass a law and can't do their job to save their lives. These people who are completely failing the country are going to argue that tech CEOs are failing somehow their responsibility to the country, that they somehow should be more statesman-like, more responsible for their outcomes of their platforms, for the ills of society than Congress, just seems like really hypocritical. And they specifically don't know about tech and how it works, mm -hmm. making bizarre statements fed to them by their staff that they don't even understand. And they have never run anything or managed anything at scale. The hypocrisy, firstly, and then the lack of connectivity to the issue drives me bonkers. When you have billions of users, 3.5 billion users, trillions of interactions, and yet Mark Zuckerberg is responsible for a live shooting or is responsible for the grooming of someone in a private chat room, is just, like if you have one in a million things go wrong, that's a lot of things going wrong every day. Just holding space for that reality. I'm not saying it excuses anything. I'm saying holding space for that truth seems to just go out the window. Like you should have figured that out by now, right? And then the idea that you should be able to curate truth. You should be able to curate what is an appropriate conversation. And yeah, at the edges, these things are obvious. Incitements to violence, crying, fire in a theater, 
that's not where the problem lives. The problem lives in the gray areas where truth is unknowable and there's no space held for that. And that drives me crazy. The other thing that drives me crazy is these are tools like a hammer. You don't blame the hammer company for someone bashing someone else's head in with a hammer, right? And yeah, you know, this argument is poorly made when you think about guns or you think about tobacco. Those tools have no social good in a civilized society, right? Oh boy. <laughs> you can't argue, well, guns don't kill people. People kill people. No, guns are designed to kill people. Social media has created- We've got a Floridian here. Let's see what he thinks. <laughs> it's just this idea that you built a tool and someone used the tool for ill. Well, the people also use the tool to organize Black Lives Matter and organize for Barack Obama and organize for all sorts of stuff. This is just this idea that how dare you create such an addictive, useful tool. Anyway, I'm not going to go through every point here, but I'll do a quick pass on a few of the others here. Like, well, okay. how dare you build a tool that is addictive? You guys are deliberately trying to make an addictive tool. And, and it's like, you're kind of criticizing people for being too successful. If the strawberry companies or the hotel companies or the airline companies or the hammer companies could make tools that had viral loops, they would do it too. What a laughably silly argument. Anyway, the last point I'll just quickly make is it's not in Zuckerberg's <laughs> interest for his tool to be used this way. He's not sitting there in his little office going, ha this is fantastic. Facebook is used to groom children. What like a ridiculous way of viewing the world. Well, he just wants the profits. No, what he wants is to be Alexander Graham Bell. And what he wants is to own the most important communication platform in the world. And what he wants is advertisers. And advertisers don't want that shit. So let's just not pretend that he has some kind of economic interest to allow this nonsense to go on. It's just, it's just not true. So anyway, this is some of the stuff I wanted to rant and rave about. I just... I'm not saying any or all of these things excuse what happens on social media, but what happens on social media is as much informed by our civilization and what happens in the real world as anything else. And I'm not seeing space held for that reality. And that sort of drives me crazy. Okay. Glad you got that out of your system. Um, let's start recording now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember, and you remember Chris, when we used the word surge pricing, right? Scary surge. And then you're like, well, hotels raise prices during busy seasons. Airlines have done this for decades. Like, why is this? Why is everyone angry at Uber during a rainstorm for raising prices so enough drivers get on the road? And do you think there's just a human nature element to this, which is what is new and what we don't understand, we fear. And Congress is the avatar of that because things are getting so complex in the world, I think the distance between the average congressperson and what's happening in the world is greater now than ever. There's some relationship to age because you grow up in generations, but the technical sophistication of what's happening in the world and the understanding is so far from what they know and why they're elected and who they talk to that the fear is actually greater now, just like statistically greater. And you get this stuff happening. Remember, Congress passed Section 270, whatever it was during the Clinton era, that said that platforms that are agnostic to content have sort of protection, right? They can't be sued because of the things. This Congress is saying something different. In theory, they could pass a law to undo that, but they won't because they don't quite get, you know, that there's a gray area, there's this, that. So I do fear that we have a set of people in government, and I don't think it's unique to any one government, where the technologists have outpaced the governors to yeah. such a degree that all they can do is do a show trial in Congress. What else can they do? 
but it's worse than what you're saying, Emil, right? Like it's not only were they criticizing surge pricing without understanding because there are many products that dynamically shift their pricing. They were almost criticizing that we were transparent about it. It's like, how dare you explain the multiple? We were being accused of it being profiteering. And then when there was the strikes by the taxis, at, I think it was New York airport or something. And so when there was strikes, we turned surge pricing off. And then we were being accused of strike breaking. And it's like, make up your mind, right? Is surge pricing okay or is it not okay? Is being transparent about the surging okay or not okay? Is creating a more real-time perfect marketplace okay or not okay? And again, I'm railing against the reductive nonsense narrative, right? And let's use a more contemporary example because he's shadow banning unpopular opinions. Mark Zuckerberg is too powerful. How dare Mark Zuckerberg moderate? Mark Zuckerberg's not moderating enough. He should be more powerful and could dictate what should be said on his platform. It's like talking out of both sides of your mouth. There is no way to win. But, but, but okay, okay, okay. I'm going to interrupt you here. Is that what normal politicians do? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why you're so agitated about this. Like, okay, am I going to be sitting here defending the United States Congress? No. Are they doing performative grandstanding? Yes. Is that to be expected when you are a very powerful industry? Yes. So it's like, I think what's changed is that tech is a very powerful industry. And if you are very powerful and if you make a lot of money, you can expect to be used as a whipping boy to score political points. And you should have the good grace to just suck it up, which I think they do. Right? It's like, oh, you know, I'll get hauled through Congress and get yelled at for a bit and then pretend to apologize. And then, you know, I'll leave and get on with my day. And I think that's basically what's happening. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Now, as for your other points, Chris, I think there is some more subtlety and nuance here. And I think to a certain extent, you know, there's an element of you live by the sword and you die by the sword. These companies have grown enormously in a regulatory vacuum and they have had a lot of externalities. They've had a lot of impacts on society, as you point out, positive as well as negative, but a lot of impacts. This is not just a bit of software that is innocuous and makes money. This is not B2B SaaS. This is something that is affecting society. And therefore is, in fact, something that politicians and people and citizens have a right to care about and have a right to hold these companies to a high account. And so I think this is just a question of, you know, certain chickens coming home to roost. There are no simple solutions. I agree with you. But that doesn't mean there are no solutions. It doesn't mean it shouldn't be engaged with. It doesn't mean that it shouldn't be a matter of public policy and regulation rather than self-policing. And so to the extent that I think there's a conversation where you say these companies have caused harm as well as good, and they've made a lot of money along the way. So what are they doing about it? And are they doing enough? And could they do better? I think those are reasonable questions. But Chris's point is they haven't caused the harm. They've been bystanders in the harm, just like the radio was. Or I think there's a difference, and this isn't my argument, but I think it is an important argument, right? And it has to do with the, you know, you talk about, oh, Facebook is a communication channel or a communication platform. There are different types or different sort of layers of the stack here, right? Like nobody's going after, well, actually there were governments a few years ago that went after internet service providers for like terrorism. And then everyone realized that was ridiculous. And, and thankfully that stopped. It's like, okay, you know, you're a carrier. You just transport data, whatever the data is, that is not your responsibility. But Facebook, Twitter, all of these guys, these are not just carriers. They engage in algorithmic amplification of content. And definitely at various times in the past, and arguably now as well, they have amplified some really nasty content. 
not deliberately, not deliberately, but they have nonetheless done so. And so the fact that they have algorithms around engagement means that they are engaging in sort of mass algorithmic editorialization, right? They are making choices about what content to show you. And at that point, I do think you lose some of that protection of I'm just a carrier, like not my problem. Yeah, but I continue to be frustrated by that argument. So let me first answer your question about why am I so upset about this? I'm so upset about this because this is one of the most important things we could be discussing right now. The role of tech, the role of speech, the role of what speech is constructive and destructive, and the way speech plays a role in untangling some of the most important issues of the day, really important existential issues, AI and political polarization and so on. And so this discussion is perhaps one of the most important discussions we could possibly be having. The second reason I care so deeply about it is because people who know better are getting swept up in the nonsense. Tech executives and VCs and free speech advocates who are advocating for the wrong things, the exact wrong things, and acting like moderating speech at scale is somehow an easy, trivial thing. And I think I'm saying it's easy and trivial, but that it is possible. Well, I don't even know that it's possible, actually. But I think a lot of them are being quite reductive and simplistic about it. It's like, oh, you know truth when you see it, or you know stuff that's inappropriate when you see it. And it's like, no, you don't. That's bullshit. How do you know whether the, the subject is being discussed academically or being discussed seriously? Let's talk about examples. I want to use like the most hot button issue possible to talk about an example, right? Let's talk about the Israel war, okay? The question of like, what is anti-Semitic, right? Is it mm. anti-Semitic to criticize Israel? Well, for a lot of people, that's anti-Semitic. Is it anti-Semitic to criticize genocide or the Israeli actions in Gaza? For some people, it is anti-Semitic to criticize those specific actions or to call them a genocide. Is it anti-Semitic to criticize the premise of the Israeli state as an Israeli state versus a democratic state? Is that anti-Semitic? For some people, it is anti-Semitic. And is it anti-Semitic to be sarcastic or not anti-Semitic, but outside community guidelines? I, in a comment, was kind of copying Bassem Yusuf, who was being, you know, sarcastic, where people were saying, oh, you've got to bomb Gaza and whatever. And I was saying, sure, let's bomb them all. Let's kill them all. I was speaking in sarcastic terms. And my comment got flagged. And they're like, that's an incitement to violence. And I'm like, have you read the comment thread? Have you read my other contributions? Have you understood the context of what I was saying? Do you understand sarcasm? And went under two or three reviews. And they still claimed it was incitement to violence when I was clearly being sarcastic. But, but you're making the ex-Elon argument, which is it's unmoderatable. So have good speech outweigh bad speech and let the people decide. I think the Elon argument is the extreme opposite, which is moderation is pointless. Don't even try. And what I'm trying to say is these platforms like Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook they're trying to be surgical, deliberative, intentional, careful. They're providing fact-checking. They're providing links to authoritative sources. They're trying to modulate what is promoted. And I would argue, thank God, Mark Zuckerberg is in charge of Facebook and not Congress and not Elon Musk. Because Elon Musk is on one end of the extreme. Don't mm -hmm. touch it at all. And Congress and some of the people who are making the opposite argument are on the other end of the extreme, which is he should be able to arbitrate what is truth. And he's saying to us, guys, take a chill pill. We live in a democracy with free speech, and I am taking deliberative surgical action to moderate the worst outcomes, but I'm not going to be able to mitigate them all because at a platform with 3.5 billion people with trillions of interactions, bad shit's going to happen. Well, you know, when I said before it was chickens coming home to roost, like you may well be right that 
Facebook is doing the absolute best possible job. I know that they invest a lot in moderation and that, you know, and Twitter fired a bunch of people. A lot of those were from the content group and it's invisible and thankless work. And I agree with that. But I think what's happened is that these companies have not engaged in, I guess, what you could call thought leadership. They have not led this conversation, right? Instead, they have spent vast amounts of money on lobbyists to just keep government out of their hair and they've succeeded. And so what they've not done is actually try to educate the public. So now people don't understand. I just disagree with that. I disagree with that. I am hitted with signals and signs from EU regulations about cookies to Facebook's like, be careful who can view this post and educational prompts about that and education centers and control centers and notification centers. And like, at what point, and I sound like a right-wing extremist now, at what point is there just personal responsibility and that parents and people should take responsibility for their own damn actions? Like, at what point, I'm asking that, not rhetorically, seriously, at what point do we say they've done enough? Well, I think that's a conversation. Like, if you put a gun to my head, I'd say that you have to kind of go all the way. I would say the Elon Musk strategy is the better one, and here's why. It's because I'm okay with the government saying, here's the definition of hate speech, or here's the definition of incitement of violence. And then I, as a company, can act accordingly to that. If the rules are unclear, it's better for me, if I'm a free speech advocate in general, to say, hey... Unless something's clear, I'm not going to act on it because I can't. And so you're saying like, hey, Mark Zuckerberg's surgical, so why are they criticizing it? And it's because sometimes surgeries go wrong. He also cut off anti-vax conversation or anti-Wuhan, you know. Great example. His surgery was wrong in some places, and maybe you think it's right in others. So then what's the answer there? I couldn't agree more that the anti-vax thing, the Wuhan lab leak thing, like these are legitimate debates in a society that should not be suppressed. But I just think, you know, you're saying it's better for me and the persona, I assume you're taking a meal as the tech executive. Yeah, it's better for you. It's better for Elon to just rinse your hand of it and go, hey, you pass laws, I implement laws, you guys decide. And in some ways, Mark Zuckerberg sort of said that, which is like, hey, tell me what you don't want and institute it in law and I'll make it happen, guys. But I just think the answer doesn't exist in the extremes. You operate a privately owned space, whether it's a movie theater or a Facebook, you have some responsibility to your patrons to go above the standard of the government to protect your people. And yeah, it's better for you if you don't have to, but I don't think that's the standard by which you should be acting. But I don't think you should be raked over the coals for that when you try your best. I'm arguing for moderation in our debate about moderation. <laughs> I'm arguing for some appreciation of the complexity. And I think that as tech executives, as tech commentators, we should be advocating for our peers. Mark Zuckerberg is our peer in the sense that he is in the industry with us. We should be advocating for the good actors and getting his back. And I don't know Mark Zuckerberg from a bar or so. People wouldn't recognize me on the street. I'm saying we are in this together and we should recognize well-meaning action and best practices. I don't want him to moderate my private chats. I don't want him to shadow ban my sarcastic posts. I don't want him having more power than he does. And I want a democracy powered by social tools, powered by thoughtful actors like Mark Zuckerberg, not Elon Musk and not any platform that is more restrictive. I think that where you lose me is where you try to draw a distinction between that end of the spectrum, because I think Mark 
is on that end of the spectrum, which is I'm going to allow as much as I can because that's the better answer. I'm going to respond to the egregious and maybe the Elon egregious line is like slightly to one extreme. This episode of the Startup Podcast is brought to you by Vanta. The team at Vanta are passionate about helping you secure your business by vastly cutting down on the time to get compliant with frameworks like ISO 27001, SOC 2, and Essential 8. Vanta lets you close deals, sleep better at night, and get back to building your product. Help yourself and help the podcast by going to vanta.com slash TSP for an exclusive 20% off deal. Back to your personal responsibility thing. We're all parents on this call, right? Yeah. So as a parent, forget tech exec. What are we responsible for? What are our peer parents responsible for who have different levels of understanding of the sophistication of these tools, right? Because you may never let your kids on TikTok, Chris, because we understand what it might do. What about for the average person? That's a really good point. I just think that Facebook and TikTok are part of the world. They're part of the threats and opportunities that my child will engage with, including crossing the street, including conflicts in the playground and in the real world, including theft and cheaters. All, all the things that might harm them. All the things. And so in my family, we don't say no screen time. We talk about the content on the screen. Is it a game? Is it an educational video? Or is it a what have you? The screen is not evil. The content on the screen can be evil. Facebook is not evil. The content that can be on Facebook can be evil. And yep. the world is not evil. The people in the world can be evil. So I intend to teach my child self-respect, good touch, bad touch, good conversation, bad conversation, critical thinking, and so on. And I intend to give him the tools that are appropriate for his age and to monitor those tools and the usage of those tools. And, you know, the argument again could be, well, you know, we can't all monitor everything all the time, but I, no, you can't. You have to educate your kids and yourself on how to be a legitimate actor in the world because you can't have the world bubble wrapped for you so, and it's so, just not so realistic that's that's fine for the three of us but my question is put yourself in the shoes of the average working parents public school normal jobs that are not understanding how these algorithms work how do you get them to understand what their kids are being exposed to and i don't have an answer this is like an, an open yeah. question yeah. I mean, look, to me, I want to make this point, and I think it's relevant here, is that, Chris, you've sort of framed this as being about moderation. And I think content moderation is important. But what this is really about, just to go back to what I was saying, is this is about content amplification. If all you got was a timeline of what your friends had posted, none of this would be relevant. The point is that algorithms amplify content selectively to optimize for various internal metrics around presumably engagement. And that is where the harm can come in. And I can tell you as a parent, my kid's nine, and we've done all the things that you're doing as well, Chris. And we're probably about three years away from having to get her a smartphone. And then you have the choices of like, okay, do you let them onto the apps? At a certain point, you have to say yes, because otherwise they're basically socially isolated. So then they're on TikTok, they're on Snapchat, they're on all of this stuff. And the truth is that these are very powerful forces and you can try to bring your kid up right. But also, as Emil said, like, it's not a solution to a social problem to say you have to be an A-plus parent just to be able to get your kid through this. Like, part of what regulation does, part of what regulating society does is make it safer. So, yes, there is danger out there. But is it part of the role of government to make the world less dangerous? Absolutely. The goal of government, depending on the country you're in, because I think if you ask most Americans, they're not that interested in the government making the world safer. But the role of government certainly includes something around safety and cultivating a healthy society. 
And the goal of good governance of a Facebook is to ensure this private space you've created that is used by the public is well-regulated and healthy. But what I'm arguing is that in a community of 3.5 billion people, if something happens one in a million times, it will happen regularly enough that you will have a large community of hurt individuals. And so the conversation needs to shift from what I believe to be diminishing returns and scapegoating and grandstanding to the next layer down, which is how do we improve schools? How do we improve families' ability to not work three jobs to barely make ends meet? How do we improve media literacy? These are societal things that are facilitated by communication tools. But that sounds like you've taken the red pill, Chris. Maybe it does. I don't know. <laughs> but like, if I saw a Mark Zuckerberg acting like a Roger Ailes or whoever the hell is in charge of Fox News now, where I saw him deliberately and maliciously editorializing the world, that's one thing. Where I see him trying to introduce nuance and modulation into the mix and being relatively well-meaning about it, maybe he was slow on the uptake and what have you, but now he's doing that. I'm saying it's and. The next layer of engagement with the problem is to add, is to hold Facebook accountable, and that's been done to a degree and they've done an awful lot of work, and engage with the rest of the problem. I think the problem with the red pill is like, Guns don't kill people. People kill people. Guns are fine. Leave guns everywhere. And it's like, no, guns kill people and people kill people. So put the people who are sick in a mental health institution and run background checks for the guns, make them harder to get and take the worst guns off the street. It's all of the above. It's all of the above. And I'm saying we're kind of fixated on the tech. We're focused on the tool and not paying any attention to the other layers in the stack. I think good intentions don't cut it, right? You say, oh, Mark Zuckerberg had good intentions. Fine, sure, he had good intentions. Like, he is the founder and CEO of one of the world's most valuable and most influential companies. He has a great responsibility to the Commonwealth. So I think where there are failures, they're worth pointing out. And I think we also need to educate children and educate adults and, you know, safeguard the political system. And I agree. And is correct. But it doesn't mean that these things are above criticism. It's kind of like if the gun companies instituted fingerprint detection before you can pull the trigger, took the AR-50-whatevers off the market themselves, restricted the sale through only certain registered gun shops that have a certain background process and did all of the things they should be doing on a private basis without regulation. And then Congress brought them in and raked them over the coals and said, why aren't you doing enough? People are still getting shot with handguns. And it's like, can you help us out here, guys? Can you take the nutbags off the street? Can you have mental wellness programs? Can you help people make ends meet? Can you meet us somewhere in the middle? Because we've done a shitload of stuff on our side. Can you help us out like a little bit? I believe that you're overestimating the competence of legislators. <laughs> I'm definitely doing that, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you are suggesting someone understand the first, second, third order effects of any one action across the system, education, health, minimum wage, retirement, all the things that they like look at that whole holistically and they're like, you know what? You're actually doing your part. <laughs> and instead, <laughs> these people are going back to a district of 600,000 people of which 120,000 people vote and they lose or win by 5,000 votes. So what happens on that TV screen is what determines whether they keep their job or not. I agree with you, of course, Emil, but this show is not for them. 
This show is for other tech executives, for VCs, for media commentators. And what I'm asking is that we have a more sophisticated view of this because we're in the industry. We have to make these decisions for ourselves. Okay, you're a business leader. The system is what it is. What do I do? Because I have to succeed. I have employees, investors, and whatever. What I do is I advocate in all my channels. I, I don't cheer on Mark Zuckerberg's excoriation by Congress. I start arguing for better education, minimum wage, et cetera, et cetera. I start actually chipping away at the problem because, again, we have as an industry a responsibility for being more sophisticated than the dumb grandstanding yeah. politicians. Okay, so let me make my point for a third time. I think I'm not quite landing it, which is my fault. So let me try it again, because this is where the sophistication comes in, I believe. The problem is around algorithmic amplification. If these companies have KPIs, if they have OKRs around increasing engagement, around increasing like hours spent per user on the platform, that creates perverse incentives. So it doesn't matter, like the rest of it can be kind of a band-aid over it, but you have to accept, and they've made vast sums of money off of this, that if you create a system, and it's not about bad intentions, like, you know, the people invented the like button, they're just great product managers, right? But it has an impact on people. I guess I'm not engaging with your point, Yanev. It's not that I'm ignoring it intentionally, but in the back of my mind, what I'm thinking is, I don't think the amplification is the problem. The way the product works is through amplification. There is an algorithm, there's a newsfeed. The product doesn't work without the newsfeed. It doesn't work without I know. algorithm. Uh, I, well, right. And, and so I, I don't think this a is a product that is, if you create a product that is harmful, the even product if is not harmful. The product is not harmful. The product is responsible for massive social movements that everybody, progressives, would say they appreciate. We would not have gotten Obama without Facebook. We would not have gotten Black Lives Matter without Facebook. We would not have gotten the Arab Spring without Facebook. We would not be seeing the horrific stuff happening in Gaza without Facebook. The product is not the problem. The algorithm is not the problem. The algorithm is how it works. You have to surface content. You have to find content people want. And yes, we have a limbic system that prioritizes sensationalism and whatever, and trying to mitigate the worst impulses of that, trying to add variation to the algorithm is all the responsibility of Facebook. But the same tool, the same hard surface that makes a hammer hammer in a nail is the same hard surface that will hammer in your brain if you're hit by it. So you can't take the algorithm out and go, there you go, I fixed Facebook. That's not the way it works, right? And you can't say because you have an algorithm, you are now responsible for moderating all speech everywhere. That doesn't work. It doesn't, so I don't see how the algorithm has anything to do with anything, really, I, except that you have a responsibility. I, I think you've created a false dichotomy there, right? Which is if the algorithm is what is surfacing content, then the algorithm has a lot of parameters, right? It is optimized for certain metrics. What metrics is it being optimized for? Can we have a discussion about what the right metrics are so that it can be more responsible? Yanev, let me give you a very primitive counterexample. When newspapers used to be sold on the street and the newspaper boy would hold out the headline and say, blah, 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 blah is happening. That headline was algorithmically designed to sell more newspapers back before there was an internet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like the megaphone that talked louder and farther was algorithmically designed to reach more people. So like- 100%. I'm glad you mentioned that example because I actually think it strengthens my argument, right? Which is that media was always much more fragmented than Facebook, right? There were hundreds of newspapers, dozens of TV stations, and, you know, different ones in different parts of the world. And in fact, in most countries, I think even in the United States, there were anti-media concentration laws, right? To say that one person shouldn't own too many newspapers because then they can have- too much sway over people's thoughts. Now, 
Facebook is like standing there pretty much on its own, right? And this is the consequence of tech. Again, nobody's fault. It's not a bad thing. It's not evil. But Facebook is way bigger, way, way, way bigger than any newspaper has ever been. And with that great power comes great responsibility. And I'm not saying it's Facebook's fault. I'm not saying it's for Facebook to solve on its own. But to say this is not a problem, I think, is giving them a pass that isn't healthy for society. Yaniv, what would you do? You're a congressperson on the panel. I would try to get reelected, Emil, because that's what I do. (laughs) I would would, would yell at Facebook and and grandstand to my constituents. Okay, Okay. let's say you've been (laughs) reelected. You're good. You have like a lot of money in your campaign fund. You're just trying to do good things for your kids and your community's kids. Like truly good. It's not an easy question to answer. So I'm not just going to give you a hot take. But again, I would talk about if what we're saying is these are platforms that have externalities. They do good things in the world. They do bad things in the world can we have an engagement around how we can reduce the harms? And I wouldn't just be hauling them through Congress. I would be creating committees or whatever of, of actually oh, smart on. people. Oh, no, creating okay. committees uh, and you... studies and blue ribbon panels and so on. Yeah, you're, well, maybe change it. You're king of the world. What do you do? I would set Facebook's KPIs for them. I would set their incentive structure. But that's the thing that I'm actually trying to say. The first thing is I'm not saying we should let Facebook off the hook. It's a straw man argument to say, well, Chris, you can't just let Facebook off the hook. I'm not saying that. I'm saying Facebook is already on the hook and has already done a lot of very intentional surgical things and that we are not holding space Whose hook is it on? complexity of the problem. Whose hook are they on? It's on Congress's hook. It's on advertisers' hook. It's on the but general Con- brand. Congress's hook is fucked, like, uh, which is the point you've just been making. So there's no real hook. I'm saying I'm not letting Facebook off the hook. I'm saying that we as sophisticated commentators and actors and listeners to this show must have more sophistication than being just upset with Mark Zuckerberg and frankly being quite rude about his personality and his mannerisms, right? frankly. And I'm saying as king of the world, I don't know what I would do differently. If I was Mark Zuckerberg, I have not heard anyone say anything they would do differently. When I'm seeing a post about this is state-owned media. When I see about a vaccination, I see go to the WHO to learn more about vaccinations. When I see, you know, when I, whatever, there is incredible stuff happening there, all powered by AI and ML and human moderation. I don't know what else they could possibly be doing. And you are now in the land of diminishing returns and arguing about, again, Yanev, you're the king of the world. Would you let me say that Israel is engaged in a genocide. Is that okay? Or is that- no, no, Again, that's, you, that's you not the me. level I would do it. Here, okay, I've had a moment to think. Here are some things I would potentially regulate. I would say when you install an app, when you install Instagram on your phone, by default, all notifications are turned off, right? By default, you don't get to see the like count on posts, things like that, right? You can make it less engaging, but the incentives of the company are not to do that because they want to maximize engagement. And I think that's where a lot of the negative externalities come from. Let's keep going with that example, okay? You're in the height of COVID and people are talking about the lab leak theory or whatever, which I think turned out to be basically right. There's a lab in Wuhan that researches COVID, like no shit that came from there, right? So you've turned off the like button. You've turned off the notifications. The first thing I do is I go turn the notifications back on. The first thing I do when I see the cookie notification on every EU website is just press accept, right? So you've turned those things off. What have you done for me? What have you achieved for me? I've decreased your level of engagement with this thing, right? It means that I've made it so that you need to go to the platform rather than the platform constantly drawing you back in, right? My okay. point I is- I go that... to the platform. 
You go there less I often. I go to the platform. You go there less often. And I, right? All right. And I see a lab leak theory, which has been determined as misinformation. And like, we don't want people to know about the lab leak theory. So what have you done to diminish the lab leak theory? And have you done culture a service by diminishing the lab leak theory? All the people who have only engaged with it. Well, first of all, okay. The lab leak theory is, is I'm not engaging with whether that is true or not. That's not interesting to me at this time, <laughs> but I think the point is, and my point is, it's not about moderation. It's about the harms to society, right? If, if I've no, been no, no, like, no, no. But, but it's important to engage with lab leak theory as something that was demoted and then at least proven to be debatable, if not true. Okay, but that's, it's, so a different, it's a different so debate. So at the time, at the moment, you're king of the world. What do you do? Because you're worried that like, shit, if people think this, they're going to have a bias against China or it's going to cause some action that you're worried about. But you don't know that it's true or not true. You just have a bunch of people telling you it's not true. So like suppress it. I mean, these are very, this back to the gray area thing. And therefore, like, how do you set rules for a gray area? Very difficult. Yeah. Which is why I'm not engaging with that. I'm engaging with how do you make the platform itself less engaging, less viral, right? So that these amplification loops don't go out of control, right? And, and that people, well, for I example, the, wait, I want for the example, platform. No, no, I'm platform. sorry. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is I want the platform to be viral. As king of the world, I want social movements. I want Obama. I want Black Lives Matter to go viral. I want Gaza atrocities to go viral, right? And so I want a communication nervous system that connects the world and allows people to build critical mass and to raise the social consciousness. I want that. And so you don't get to tell me, I'm, I'm being like deliberately provocative here, right? You don't get to tell me a viral communication platform is bad. No, a viral communication platform is just a viral communication platform. We've networked the world. We've created a nervous system for the world. That's not an inherently bad thing. We can't even agree on the truth of that, right? And so who's to say Mark Zuckerberg's not allowed to have a platform that drives virality for good ideas or ideas in general? Who's to say that? Well, that, I mean, I guess the point is, if you have a platform and harm is caused as a result of the platform, you need to be answerable to that. The point is they're not really being regulated very heavily, right? He can say, look, we've done all the thinking, we've done all the analysis. We believe that our current settings mean that taking that utilitarian argument that we've maximized the good and we've minimized the bad, then that's what we do. And we're not, we're not getting it down to zero. Then that's fine. I try to make an analogy here yeah. and see what you guys think of it. Okay. Cause I've changed my view on extreme free trade. The free trade, when Clinton passed NAFTA in 1992, the idea was that certain countries can produce things in a cheaper way and that there's a net benefit to yeah. everybody by having the country with the best capabilities in certain areas to produce things. The problem with that, as we see now, is that the harm was concentrated in certain areas, like our auto industry, like devastated the, our industry in the Midwest. The gains mm -hmm. might have been spread in cheaper goods from Walmart or trade, you know, international sort of arbitrators. So you're like, okay, well, maybe it's the whole world being networked perfectly efficiently is not the answer. That's the best answer because we didn't hold China accountable for dumping or any of the things that happened after NAFTA and the WTO admission of China and all these things. So now we're looking at this, we're putting tariffs up, we're putting back, we're saying like this hollowed out certain parts of our society. Is that an analogy that's relevant here that like, go oh, great. It's perfectly networked. Is that a good thing, Chris, that everybody knows everything instantly and can form an opinion on it, whether they have context or not for anything that happens anywhere in the world at any time? I guess this brings me back to my earlier point, which is the answer to almost everything is a well-governed version of that thing. 
So free trade, <laughs> well-governed free trade works. Yeah. Well-governed free speech works. Well-governed, even let's say the right to bear arms, well-regulated, like everyone loves to ignore regulated the fucking militias. phrase, well-regulated militia, right? Well-governed systems work. The problem in the US especially is they don't know what good governance looks like if it bit them in the ass. <laughs> okay. Tell us what you really think. And this has been driving me crazy since Uber, right? Where it's just like, they literally took a photo of Travis smiling benignly and happily, put it to black and white, set it to stark relief, did a Ken Burns zoom in, and they're like, and Travis didn't even care at all. And then you see Travis with this douchebag smile on his face because he's smiling about something completely different. And it's like, fuck you. That's not what that photo is about. That's not what Travis thought. That's not what happened. And your narrative is bullshit and you're not bringing us closer to the truth. And you yeah, as sure. a regulator, you as a media operator, you as a tech CEO and VC should be able to cut through that bullshit and help us get closer to the truth. One of those groups, at least one of those groups, at least, let me say this, Yanev. At least listeners of the startup podcast. The creme de la creme. The creme de la creme should be able to cut through the bullshit and say, that's a media narrative. That's a political narrative. And it's not fair. And let's talk about the real issues. I think the thing is, it's, I mean, you say it's not fair. Like, I think people have trouble feeling sorry for like massively well-funded, massively profitable companies and their leaders. Yeah, well, that's tall poppy bullshit. I mean, that's, that's, that's tall poppy life, bullshit. right? Like public figures get canned. Like that's just shit happens, no, right? We're not going to get closer to the truth by cutting down our best leaders and allowing them to get replaced by assholes who are better at schmoozing. But that's not what's happening. Like that's a straw man argument. Like where's that happening? Like, well... This is maybe a fairly thin example, but I think Jack Dorsey was similar to Mark Zuckerberg, where he was trying to have a soft touch on this stuff. I think the argument he was making to Congress is the same one that Zuckerberg is. And he kind of got a little fed up and burned out and like, oh, you know, Elon Musk wants to buy it. Please take it off my hands because I can't win with this. Good luck. And Elon Musk is like, I'll show you what I'll do. I'll just remove all the moderation. I'm not going to be thoughtful like Zuckerberg. I don't need that noise. I'm just going to take a giant step back and say, it's not my problem. And I think that's not a step forward for society. I don't think Elon Musk is a better operator of Twitter than Jack Dorsey was. And so I just think we're burning our best and brightest. I think Mark Zuckerberg is incredibly thoughtful about what he does at Facebook. And I don't think there's any reason to throw Mark Zuckerberg under the bus, given what he's been doing. And I think there are plenty of other people who need to be thrown under the bus, including the right-wing media outlets, including the lack of education, the lack of a minimum wage, especially Congress. Let me put it that way. And all I'm advocating for, as I've said over and over again, is for more sophistication from the listeners of the startup podcast, from the people in the industry to say, hey, you free speech advocates, you're arguing for more power in Zuckerberg's hands. Hey, you democracy advocates, you're arguing for more power in privatized hands. You are arguing for the wrong thing. And I'm only saying that our small community can be the seed that spreads that kind of sophistication around the world. And that's all. That's all I'm saying. And it's just a, it's just so, a rant. I'm only, not saying... It only took an hour. It only took an hour. <laughs> Let a thousand zucks bloom. That's what I say. Let a thousand zuck blooms. Yeah, I, I just, um, <laughs> you know... But, but I think our community would largely agree with you. I don't know. You never disagrees with me. And, and at least yeah. half of them agree with him. 
<laughs> no, but 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 Yanov doesn't propose a better answer with respect. He's just saying he's arguing that like okay, there's externalities created. Your argument, Chris, is like, well, these guys are doing the best they can. No one else is doing anything about it. So like, why give them shit? And we need to support that they're even trying when no one else is doing shit. And yep. I'm saying like, and I think. The tech community largely agrees like, hey, we're pushing society forward the best we can. It's imperfect. We will listen to Congress. We will self-regulate. And like who in the tech community is saying F Mark Zuckerberg? I just, I see so many people. In, in our tech, community. In our community. On TechCrunch, like yeah. enthusiastically talking about TechCrunch is not our community. Journalism is not our community. Tech journalists especially but yes. also tech leaders. It's also tech leaders and VCs who are cheering on the idea that Mark Zuckerberg is weird and awkward and robotic, that he, is, he is nefarious and Machiavellian. But that's not okay, Yanev. That's not okay. It's not uh, okay. I'm sorry, if, if, you are, if you are the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company, you're a public figure. Public figures get shit hung on them all the time. I don't have a problem with that. There is these multiple layers of just cheerleading on the embarrassment the interrogation and our community i do see that from vcs from founders from tech journalists from you name it i see it and i see also kind of yanev also representing the apologists of saying well this is just how congress is well they deserve it the chickens have come home to roost and i'm saying none of that is fair none of that is fair I'm saying we, even on this call, should agree that if we're going to say anything in public, it should be, hey, Congress, how about you step up and pass a minimum wage? Hey, Congress, how about you pass real laws that help real people around media literacy in schools? Hey, Congress, how about you bring in the guy running Fox News and ask him how he gets to hide behind the title news? Hey, Congress, how about you bring in Citizens United and relitigate that because you guys are all paid shills, utterly corrupted by money, right? <laughs> We as tech <laughs> leaders should be saying that because we should be holding our leaders accountable. I mean, Congress aren't my leaders, but hey. They are your leaders, Yanev, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the, the, the part of what you just said that I would agree with is that tech is such an important part of the global economy now, like 10x more than it was even 10, 15 years ago. It dominates old industries and new. it's creating new industries and it's getting beyond the sophistication of the average congressperson to even understand what's happening, that, yeah, we have to support their support of that because look at what China's done to their tech industry. They've totally smashed it, yes. smothered yep. it. They've said, for example, an ed tech company, and, and China was a leader in ed tech a couple of years ago, and they said every ed tech company overnight has to be nonprofit because we don't want more wealthy people getting better education than middle-class people and so on. And they've taken a heavy hand on Ant Financial, on Alibaba, on Baidu, on Reach, like all these companies. And look at what happens to what was a six, seven percent growing economy. Now it's six, seven percent contracting, twenty-five percent yeah. unemployment. I would go further than that, Emil. Look at the underlying impulses that drive that kind of thinking, right? Yeah. It's fascism, right? This is actually kind of the heart of it, is like the idea that you would come down on platforms of free speech and debate and argument and demand more authoritarian control by private actors 
that is the kind of shit that China asks for. And it's rooted, it is at the root of many other calls for action that would create unjust unintended consequences in our society. So this is an example of an authoritarian streak that is pervading democracy. I think you're overreaching there, Chris. I don't think it is authoritarian or fascism to regulate. I think that is a core part of a well-functioning system, including a democratic that's system. That's not what I said. Well, that's not what I said. Uh, what, 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 I didn't what, say what to regulate. Saying? I didn't say to regulate. I said to pretend that there is a better way to regulate speech without controlling what is truth. There is lots of regulation that Facebook needs. There is lots of regulation that the world needs. I am not arguing against regulation. I am not a red pill or I'm not even right wing. I'm saying there are diminishing returns and there needs to be space held for the role of nuance and free speech. And I don't, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. Let me ask a question this way. We all agree that all these things were like that Europe's imposing on the world are dampening its tech influence. And we agree that China's doing the same. And we agree that India is probably doing the same. The lack of regulation, the Baidu fraud, like all the things that are happening. Who's doing it better than we are, Chris, in Australia, New Zealand, UK, and US? What model is there? Because yes, these tech guys were shamed in front of Congress, but then they went back to their home and they're like, how do we do a little better every day? And the shame wears off and like the newspaper headlines go away. Yeah. I mean, if the argument is it's a big nothing burger that, that, that doesn't that really matter. Where you're, it's like, is there a better model? Emil, maybe I'm asking for too much, but I guess my heart breaks for single mothers working two or three jobs, unable to make ends meet, unable to parent kids who are going to schools that are more interested in metal detectors than media literacy classes, children who are starving with no food stamps or whatever the hell mechanism we want to talk about to feed kids, children, toddlers well, being well, shot But what's your point? Schools. But what's your point? I mean, those are all heartbreaking. My, my point is that if Congress is going to spend a minute shaming and naming Mark Zuckerberg, we need to name and shame them for not building a better society. And Yanev, they are your leaders and representatives. They're in District 1. And when they sneeze, you get a cold. And I'd like to see... I'd like to see the tech community holding Congress to but that's, account. But that's, that's instead pure, of Congress that's, that's trying to hold Whataboutism. That's like, yeah, there's other bad things in the it's world. It's not Whataboutism. It is. It's, it's not like a Whataboutism. It's saying, well, oh, you know, why, why are we not. talking about this? Because there are children starving. Like, It's not. I'm not saying leave them alone because they're doing worse. I'm saying they're doing great. And how about Congress starts doing just mediocre? It's not Whataboutism. It's not regulation doesn't matter. I'm saying something much more subtle and sophisticated than that. I'm saying these guys are doing their best and these guys are ruining the country. Well, I think, <laughs> anyway. I think you need to talk to the American voter then. All right. Thanks, guys. That was, right, um, guys. That was a bit more than, than we'd all bargained for, but um, fun conversation. All right. That was a superheated episode, just as we promised. Now, don't forget, if you've listened to a few of our episodes and gotten value, if you've enjoyed my ranting and raving, you've implicitly signed up to the Startup Podcast Pact, which says, please rate us and review us in your favorite podcasting app. Give us a follow there and on YouTube and give us a shout out on your favorite social network. It helps us grow the show, helps us make more episodes and helps us help more founders just like you. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. This episode of the Startup Podcast was brought to you by Vanta. Vanta helps businesses get and stay compliant by automating up to 90% of the work for the most in-demand compliance frameworks. With over 200 integrations, you can easily monitor and secure the tools your business relies on. Head to vanta.com slash TSP for 20% off their incredible offering and start unlocking extra revenue today. Oh, Chris, you're on the chair today.